stage right. All the time. <laughs> oh. Been quite a few years since I've been had to stand up in front of people or talk in front of people. But mm. I left 2000, retired. <laughs> What's the difference from that and like being in ceremony? There's the fire. Oh. I'm connected. And when I feel that fire and see that fire and know I have that tobacco in my hand, that's my connection. And we're all gathered around the fire, so the fire is the focal point. That's okay. Huh. I don't focus on what's around me. I focus on creation and creator. And that flame is what brings me peace. Yeah, whatever you feel compelled to share in your language. Don't even feel the need to translate it. Like, whatever is in your heart. Sego. Aguego. Catalaya. Aguego. Acosasne. Slono. Aguahon clan. Wolf clan. My English name is Sylvia Bureau. I'm originally from Acosasne and uh, lived in different territories, Six Nations, for many years, which I've met some beautiful people um, there on the territory and off the territory into Toronto and surrounding areas. Uh, at this time, I'd like to give thanks um, within the Haudenosaunee way, uh, within this Thanksgiving address. Um, we send greetings and thanks for this gathering of minds, for our ongoing peace with all of humankind. We give thanks to our Mother Earth, to the waters that flow, to the corn and the beans and squash, our sisters we grow, to the plants that are fruit, and to the medicines too, to the winged animals, four-legged animals, for all that they do. To the sweet waters, maple, and the trees, all the trees. To the birds in the skies, the wind, and the breeze. To our grandfather's thunders, to our bro eldest brother, the sun. To mother, grandmother moon, our minds are all one. To the stars in the night skies, we hope that all all people feel the greetings and thanks for all the help the world in the world to all of creation we in these words and knowing that our minds are one and give thanks continue thanks to everyone now that's just a short version i sort of broke it down uh, if we did the whole Mohawk in the language, it would be a lot longer. We'd be sitting for a while and I can't sit too much longer. <laughs> and really appreciate you sharing that and bringing that to us. And we really think that's the best way for us to start this aspect of the Raza. Let me do it one more time because if you heard episode one, you remember uh, Spin <laughs> correcting me. The Raza BIPOC Access Podcast. This episode here is talking about immigrant indigenous friendships, 
Um, it's about engaging and building relationships, respecting each other as individuals and as cultures. And I want to give a greeting and welcome Spin, who has brought this, put this together, to also sit here and take a little bit of a time to not be too serious about himself, but recognize and reflect some of the things that he may not have known in the past, that he had a helping hand to teach him and help him to move a bit more inclined or aware of what he was doing and where he was. And these are the stories and the lessons that everybody should be taking in just to kind of reflect and be able to change and create more unity in the community that we all live in. And I'm happy that um, he was able to set this up today and that we're going to have this moment to learn more. Um, we're going to have this moment to reflect on ourselves and our own relationships, and we're all going to grow together. So welcome to BIPOC Access, La Raza Podcast. <laughs> yes, yes, wonderful introduction, and I'm honored to have here uh, Sylvia Barrow, uh, elder to me, um, healer, and uh, charisma, beautiful Afro Mohawk niece. It's a very special podcast to me, and I thank you both for being here because the whole concept of building immigrant indigenous friendship to me is not rocket science. And, you know, in alluding to what was just said, you know, I've definitely had to learn to laugh at myself while I'm on the risk because I've done a lot of stupid things <laughs> in the course of building friendships. But I think that that's part of like the journey. So I just wanted to thank you for the wonderful um, introduction, uh, Sylvia, and I was wondering if you could expand on the meaning of it within the context that I've been told from several people in Six Nations that uh, we should start off with a Thanksgiving address instead of a land acknowledgement, and that the Thanksgiving address is kind of like the way of the people in Six Nations. So I was wondering if you could just share for our audience and other people that might be visiting at some point to, to understand the significance of that Thanksgiving address. The Thanksgiving address is basically a way for our people and all people to come together as in one mind. We give thanks for all of creation um, from the universe to ground, everything that creator has given us to take care of. They take care of the plants, take care of us. The animals take care of us. They feed us everything. So we give thanks for all of those things that it was in creation also giving thanks to all those ones with the knowledge, the elders, um, which we have the four sacred beings that give us those, those teachings. We continue to keep those things in mind. And we tr when we gather, we try to have everybody's mind come as one so that we're all on the same page and that we're all working together as one. We are all as one people and that Creator has given us a direction when we first came and that we follow those directions within our own people. We can share those teachings, but we all individuals have our own direction in life. And doing that um, Thanksgiving address, it helps to bring everybody's minds together so we're all in the woman page again. Thank mm, you. Mm. Yeah, thank you for explaining that, uh, you know, as part of this this whole series we're doing, we're going to be doing some workshops in Six Nations. We're actually heading down there after this podcast to meet with the River Rocks Youth Group. I'll be facilitating a workshop around affirmation poetry. And I think it's important as we start to bring people onto the territory for people to have that understanding. And I've always known you as Six Nations, but I know that uh, you're originally from Aquasasne. So I was wondering if you could tell us about that journey because it's been like 
the first thought that comes to my mind with Six Nations is you because of the friendship we've built over the years and how, um, you know, how how beautiful the learning and the healing that you've, you've given, you know, and gifted, uh, not just to me, but to the people that I've brought as well. But, um, you know, for people that have never been in contact, you know, with indigenous people, which sadly happens more often than it should. And what I've realized is that people don't even know where to begin to build that friendship, um, which we'll get into in a moment. But if you could just share with us as far as your story with Akosasni and Six Nations and how it all relates to, to your identity and who you are. Well, I, first of all, I have to say that I don't have all the answers and, and I'm still learning. Uh, I have um, been through a lot of different teachings, um, different communities, learning. And basically, I, I, I ask. There's no stupid questions. So I always pray to Creator and ask, like, this is missing in my life and I really need to understand it. And Creator seemed to put everything into place. We ended up having to leave Akwazasne not in bad situation but just to get a job and to be able to provide for our family moving to six nations um was a blessing mm. for me and my family i guess it's within anything you got to ask for permission i was coming from my community to another community so i also asked for permission and we had gotten the permission and i've always been taught no matter where you go you always ask. Mm. So that's the most important thing that I have learned and been taught by my grandparents and, and from other elders is that there's no question that's stupid, you ask. So moving to the territory in Six Nations from Makwazasne, um, even though uh, Mohawks are part of that nation, you always ask those questions um, if it's you have the permission to do that. So um, within meeting you, uh, you asked. Mm. And, and I was willing, and we all should be willing to share those teachings. Um, that's about all I can say. I'm not sure what else to say because like, it's all about asking and, and creation puts that in your pathway. I believe that if you hadn't asked, then you wouldn't have gotten the answers. If I hadn't asked, I wouldn't have gotten the answers. Um, and we're all here on this earth to help each other. Um, that's the biggest teaching I got from my grandparents is that we help within anything, the medicines or anything, we always help each other. Yeah, and we were talking on the way here about how we met because it was so long ago. And you reminded me, so I thought I had met you from a sweat lodge I had done, which had actually happened in a different part of Six Nations. But how I had met you was that there was this protest and I was with some of our mutual friends, I think Casanillo, no, uh, Andrea, uh, love Andrea. And then we ended up catching a ride and just kind of getting to know each other. And you were telling that story, like I had this familiarity, but you're like, what's this guy talking about? He hasn't been here before. And if you could share that story with people, like from your side of it. Yeah, met Spen. Um, they were doing a, a march. He had brought some people from Toronto up and uh, they were all walking across town. So they were. I was sitting there thinking, well, 
how are they supposed to get back to their cars if they're all walking across town? I said, so I asked, would you like me to go with you and I'll drive a couple back? Well, the lot of Spen and his crew also wanted to, to visit the reserve and uh, purchase some innuendos and trinkets and stuff. So I said, yeah, we can do that. So took them out there. He was talking about this sweat. <laughs> and uh, I'm just like, oh, yeah, well, I got to stop at my place because I run sweats. Um, I did a lot of gatherings at our home and um, did some healing with, with groups of people. I worked as a counselor and uh, family counseling. And uh, so anyways, uh, took Spen and said, well, come on in the back. So as we get back there, he looks at me, he goes, and you were the woman, you were the woman, and picks me up and starts swinging me around. And I'm thinking to myself, like, <laughs> all right, I'll just go along with it. Let the roasting begin. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go along with it. So I just said, well, it's good that you went through a sweat. And then he told me about his vision in the sweat. And, and, and uh, I said, he should be writing these things down. You need to write this down. And eventually he wrote, came back to me and told me he had written a poem about his vision. Yeah. And uh, from there, it's just been history. <laughs> yeah, so I guess for, for those of you that are immigrants and, and haven't got to build that friendship, more than one person runs sweats in, <laughs> in indigenous territories of my dumbass. Um, could you explain for the audience listening what a sweat is and the significance? Uh, again, I'm not the uh, leader on knowing everything about a sweat, but what I've been taught and, and what I have done within a sweat is uh, the sweat is basically... Um, going back into the womb mm. of our mother. So we build a lodge and you crawl in and you have your, your grandfathers, which are the stones, people, the stones, mm -hmm. <laughs> the grandfathers. It's a sacred place for you to release your burdens um, and to ask for that strength to keep moving forward. Um, there's all different types of sweats. There's healing sweats where people that are sick and that need to, to release their sickness. There's other sweats that are there to help within your emotions. So it entails everything um, within that. And in each direction of the sweat um, ha represents a different animal. So when you go into the sweat, there's the deers that sit there and they bring in that kindness. So you feel that kindness and that love. Then you have the eagles that bring in that. They fly the highest and they take take those messages to the creator. So you have that. And then you have the, um, the wolves, the turtles, the bears, the thunders, uh, the buffaloes, the beavers, which bring in everything. So you have your courage. You have your all of those teachings within that lodge. Um, and again, when you come out of the lodge, you are greeted by that deer again with that kindness. It's almost like washing away um, all of those things that you've been carrying, and you can start a new, a new at that time. Um, there's also the purification of your organs within putting the medicines on the rocks and the steam. It 
you sweat and it releases all the toxins within your body. So you're gaining all these different elements of healing through that sweat. Thank you so much. And, and you, you've mentioned it twice, so I, I, did, I do think it's important to mention again for the audience that hasn't been able to develop that friendship with Indigenous people is not to make that assumption that every single Indigenous person is like an authority on healing or... And also to keep in mind that there's hundreds, if not thousands, of nations throughout Canada, so in North America, Turtle Island, and that's been one of my goofy, you know, I came as an immigrant and we're just showing these images from back home and everyone is uh, Inuit and referred to as Eskimo, which Charisma taught me was a derogatory term, almost slapped me outside my head, which I appreciate, Charisma. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for that. As immigrants coming into Canada, you know, we're not taught much, and sadly the school system doesn't teach us as well, but I do thank you for, for taking the time and care to answer, and I do ask for the audience not to turn an encounter with an Indigenous person into a whole, like, uh, expert panel interview because... Not you know everyone's on their journeys and it's not it's important to not make those assumptions. So I thank you for answering, Sylvia. And I just wanted to welcome in my beautiful niece, Charisma here. And I don't know if you wanted to talk about that incident where you educated me or anything you feel compelled to share. But so far, it's been so long. I can't even remember what we were talking about. All I know is I heard you say Eskimo, and I was like, "That's wrong." Yeah, yeah, very. You said a lot more than that. <laughs> I needed to hear it, and I'm thankful to you for it. Of course. I love correcting people. It's my favorite pastime. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> and tell us about yourself, Charisma. You're very multi-talented with a lot of dreams and aspirations. My Mohawk name is Gatahuni. I'm an aspiring actor and writer. Yeah, I'm just trying to move forward in my dreams and my careers right now. It's not really much going on, but doing the best I can it's yeah it's been a ride past 20 years I've been here but I'm doing the best that I can and I'm pretty sure I'll get there soon enough especially with your help and all the help of my family and my grandma you got a lot of blessings from creator to you and both you and Sylvia have played a role in my life as far as healing and teaching. So, you know, I wanted to thank you both and give you both your flowers while you're here. You're also an awesome poet. And um, as we were talking in the car, we'd love to have you on board for our artist development project, the La Raza BIPOC. Mm -hmm. It's all designed to just provide spaces for aspiring artists like yourself that have the talent, you know, that have the ambition. And sadly, you know, this world tends to tell us we can't make it or we can't do certain things. And, you know, as I mentioned in the first podcast, you know, BIPOC people got to work twice, three times as hard, you know. And so we're aiming to remove those barriers and give you the knowledge and then also learn from you. And I was joking with Mark on the way here, but um, and I think this is a good point to, to bring you back into the conversation, Mark. So when we're planning it out. Mark was telling me, you know, we're going to be using the Discord for some of the virtual stuff. Mm. And I hate Discord with a passion. Like I go on it. I look at it for three minutes. And then I'm like, I can't do this. And I, I leave. And then Mark's just, you know, very patiently teaching me and showing me and, and making a point that the newer generations are on Discord. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because you're a boomer. And we all know this. <laughs> Let the roasting begin. <laughs> uh, uh, Discord's not that hard to use, honestly. Well, Mark said. It's really not that hard. I made it every time I open the phone. Nah. 
Discord is it's pretty simple to use once you get a hang of it. We've got some biased audio edits here. <laughs> He's leaving it longer than usual. <laughs> it's cause it's cause I'm right. It's cause I'm right. One hundred percent. It all depends on like your involvement in Discord. Like if you're not really involved in like a lot of the beginning process of setting it up, it's harder to understand. But even then, it's the Discord community. It is what it is. It's a community, and that it's how a lot of people communicate Mike's from all like, over yep, the world. Yep. <laughs> Can you say that one more time? Where people are using this? All over the world. <sighs> I've met so I've met some pretty great people from across both Canada and the United States that just, like, inspire me to be a better person sometimes. And it's all just about finding the right people and the right kind of servers and what you're interested in because there's pretty much a server for anything on Discord now. I guess my server was, like, crypto calls that went bad and then I went broke from it. So maybe that's part of why I wasn't really feeling the Discord. That's why you did, crypt okay, so you did crypto on Discord. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell me this, and, and then I'm going to pose a question to both of y'all, uh, unless Mark wants to jump in on the roasting here. But, mm -hmm. well, actually, no, I'll, I'll ask you and then Mark, and then I'll, I'll throw back a question to both Sylvia and you. But you're this, this new wave, the new generation. You're tech savvy. You figure all these things out. I, I thought I was tech savvy until I tried to use this damn Discord. Mm -hmm. What could Discord do for me as an artist? And I'll just <laughs> give you a bit of context before you answer. I've, I've been doing this for two decades. I've won competitions all over the place. I've got a bunch of poetry out. My YouTube numbers suck. Like, But I, I believe in the content of my work and the quality of it. With all this in mind, what would you say as somebody that's so well-versed in Discord that Discord could do for me? Honestly, Discord, I would think it's not only just getting the outside opinion of people from everywhere. It's having the ability to actually take their advice in and listen because it's so hard to find people that are unbiased because a lot of people have a lot of bias nowadays. So on Discord, it's just it's easier to find someone that ha that knows nothing about you and you're showing them your art and what you can do. And you most people are super impressed by it. But it you can find real people on there. Like some really real people that tell that will tell you how it is, if it's bad, if it's good, if it's great, if they think you should do more. And it's as an artist, it's just nice to have an outsider that like you don't you can't just find them on the street they're like halfway across the world it's how do i put this call me a boomer already uh, Say whatever you want. <laughs> that is true that is true refreshing. i did call you a boomer it's refreshing <laughs> yeah it's refreshing that's Maybe what it is it's just refreshing to have the outside look i had no idea and I, the word just came to my mouth <laughs> <laughs> I think you just became Mark's favorite guest in this podcast. <laughs> as I should. As I should. Anything else to add? or Yeah, anything else to add? Just add as much as you like. Jesus. I'm never going to hear the end of this. Um, Please get do. better at using Discord. All right, Mark, I'll take it you. away, brother. Let me have it. 
and explain to the the future artists that are going to join the community like, what the Discord is about. Yeah, like you know, just we've had our conversations. You've been very patient and teach me. I'm like, I, and I'm actually starting to like it, which I hate to admit, but it's true. But yeah, whatever you wanted to add to it and just to break it down to the people. What I was going to say is that um, <laughs> you've actually done well with it. Like at the end of the day, I do understand that there was that hesitation to kind of take the time to just be present through the process and kind of figure out, okay, where are the barriers or where are the hiccups of where? And as we kept going, we figured those out. Mm-hmm. And then essentially we figured out that part of your problem was you didn't have the right permission set to your profile, which was my issue. So it wasn't even something that you were doing that was the issue. And that's as exactly we, what Charisma said without even knowing the situation. <laughs> <laughs> so as we went through our communicating and had that conversation, that's when we realized, okay, this is what's missing. And then once that change was made, then we started to move forward. And I think this thing is that people in general have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Anytime you learn anything new, there is going to be a level of frustration because what you want to do innately within you, you need to learn how to do that through your vessel and through this technology. And if you don't take the time to take those moments to actually develop that understanding in generally, um, then it's always a frustrating situation when you encounter, when you interact with that platform. And to me, the way I look at it is like video games. So like we all grew up on playing different video games, going to arcades, all that kind of stuff. Every single video game that was a different title had a different buttons, had different combinations of buttons, different ways to play that game. Every time you would play that game for the first time, you got beat for a little while. People weren't going to take it easy on you, but you learned how to play the game by developing those skills and by practicing. And eventually you become good at multiple different games, which are essentially multiple different user interfaces. And so all of these softwares work based on user interfaces. There's a way that they've been designed to interact with people and for you to interact with that software. And the more that you become comfortable with that user interface, the more that you're able to do what you want to do with that software. And I think that that's kind of the key is that we can't shy away from new platforms. We can't shy away from new technology. We just got to see if that technology has functionality that's going to bring value to our lives, what we're trying to do and how we're trying to connect. And for me, as Charisma, you had already touched on, this makes the globe a smaller place. Mm. It makes it that you can actually have a conversation with somebody across the world in real time. And they can give you feedback, like it's even right now with everything going on, Israel, Palestine, et cetera. You can get real-time information from various places. So I think the more that we're able to connect with each other, connect with each other as individuals, whether it's through the internet, it's in person, it's through hybrid um, ways, it just brings human beings to recognize that we're all the same, we're a collective, which speaks back to what um, you had brought in the beginning of this conversation. And I think the internet is one of those tools. And Discord is a tool that you can utilize to build community all over the world. Uh-huh. All right, all right, I'll get on Discord. <laughs> I have no idea about Discord. I have no idea about anything that you were talking okay. about. But the thing is, what you just said is basically life. We all have to learn. And Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> 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 so Sylvia, I wanted to come back to you. Um, you know, you mentioned about how we met and building the friendship. And like one thing I've found is for for settlers, for non-invited guests to these indigenous lands, you know, there's the solidarity and there's this activism. And and I guess my relationships in Six Nation got solidified with all the land back, you know, the the protest and protecting, you know, your ancestral lands and but what I realized is after kind of the media wave had passed and the protests had kind of finished, 
a lot of the people just kind of went to do something else. And I was like, this place is like super cool. <laughs> and I just kept coming back. And we've had so much experience, like going to bingo and all these different things that we had. I fell in the ditch on one of the driveways in Six Nations, you know, almost hit an eagle at one point, which I'm sure Glows will say. Um, I wanted to ask you, Sylvia, like what, you know, from your end of it, what, you know, if people wanted to build that friendship, like how would you suggest they go about it? I mean, even with us, as far as how our friendship developed, because I really do think there's kind of like a void where people don't know where to start type of thing. And like I said, I think that people will come out in solidarity with good intention, but then maybe don't make that effort. And for me, I was just fortunate that we connected and you opened up the home and I, you know, I just stayed in contact ever since. And then even with charisma and how, you know, <laughs> how our friendship grew. So I, I'd like to ask both of you, like, what, what would you suggest to people that would like to build that friendship but don't know Mark how to? Mark had mentioned about just the Discord stuff, taking that stepping out of your boundaries and just going and again asking and saying hi uh, a lot of people don't do that because they're either scared that they won't get the reaction they're expecting mm. so you came up and said hi <laughs> and you asked for help <laughs> yeah. and, and that's what we're all here for is to help each other not to put our hands up and say no, get away. Yeah, it's all about being kind and welcoming. Kindness, peace, empathy, happy, empathy happiness. It's all about love. Um, if we don't want to have that, then I don't see where this world's going to. We all have to put that effort into ourselves. And when people come, then engage. <laughs> um to be scared um, of speaking, and granted, I'm sitting here and I'm scared. Doing great. <laughs> I'm still doing it, and that's the point: is we have to step out of that and continue to keep moving forward for ourselves. And when we do that for ourselves, it builds our community more. More people are being connected, and especially with Native culture, since I don't want to say it's dying out, but it. It kind of is, even on the reservations. It's kind of all been whitewashed. So when people come, just outsiders come and they ask us questions and they ask for help from us, it just builds a community and connects us together because that's the whole point of living on this earth together is to be a community. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah, I appreciate that. And I know for me, you know, the way my mother raised me is like, don't show up empty-handed. So... You know, the pupusas have been a hit on the res. I've, I've always been able to, you know, come out and kind of share of my culture. And I do think there's something like a, I would say there's a bit of an identity crisis in Canada, like out, you know, for immigrants or for settlers here and trying to find who they are and what role they're playing on this earth. So for me, I'm thankful that my mother grounded me in my community and my culture and I've been sharing of it. You know, you, you've invited uh, my Mayan elder to come and we've had ceremonies and We've offered what we have to give from where we are. And, uh, it, you know, that's been a blessing. But I really love how simple you made the answer. Why do y'all think, and open to you too, Mark, why do y'all think it's so hard for others to, to fight through that fear and just try to ask or, you know, build the friendship, I guess? Trauma. That's mm. exactly what I was just thinking. It's our own traumas that we've gone through. I mean, I, I, for myself, 
I mean, been through a lot, but continue to keep asking and keep moving forward. Again, our parents put that in, in us. We got to ask. If we don't ask, we don't get the answer. Yeah. And I've been, you know, I brought over a thousand youth to Six Nations. Many of them have come to your home and uh, they've always been welcomed with love in Six Nations. And I love that, you know, um, and these are youth mainly who lived in Toronto community housing. Um, but there was always love. Uh, we've had some youth that were actually on charges and they needed to do community hours. So we, uh, I know we helped clear the, uh, for the sweat one time for you. Uh, the youth did more work than me, but I didn't need the hours or before anybody rose me on that. <laughs> you didn't need the hours? You were running out of there. <laughs> no, I didn't need to do community hours. I was providing, I was a vessel. <laughs> but I was also fat and out of shape. Anyway, so... <laughs> yeah, the... Um, the uh, I, yeah, the trauma, I think that's definitely something to take into account. Um we're going to be doing a lot of workshops, you know, in Six Nations. So I was wondering from, from both of you what suggestions you would have for the people that I'll be bringing out there for the first time. Uh, what would you suggest for them to do or to keep in mind or how to kind of make the best out of their time on the territory, you know? I would say be respectful. That's the biggest thing that a lot of people don't understand is that it's not it might be close to where you grew up. It might have something similar, but there's a certain way you have to act, especially I find that a lot of the younger generation, they don't really respect the elders like they should. Like, they respect them, but there's a certain level of, like, they have to be appropriate to a certain level. Like, um, Is there an example that you could share with us? I, swearing. Swearing. I'm 20. I'm still very iffy about swearing around my grandmother, swearing around my grandparents. It's just something that I don't like to do just to show them respect. I still do it out of habit, but it's like learning to keep it under control and learning how to like ask and I don't want to say speak properly, but speak properly. Like you can't just throwing around the F word and the S word all the time, especially when you're around the elders. That That's a big pet peeve for me. Definitely. And do you think it's almost sometimes a lack of mindfulness, kind of um, to yeah. when somebody's speaking, being aware of who you're speaking to, and also just mindfulness to have that control over how you behave and yeah. recognizing your environment and how you're behaving within it? Yeah, especially, especially mindfulness. I, I find that um, especially, like, if it's a big group of kids and they're just around, they're not really being mindful of, like, who's around them and who's teaching them. And it's it's just not appropriate. It's, it's like, there's a time and a place for everything, like, when you're with your friends and stuff. But if you're being, if these people are coming to help you and teach you stuff, like, you should be able to listen and have respect for how they want to do things. And I just want to touch on that because this is a very important point that you said is these people want to come and help you and teach you. And by that, you're referring to the like the elders, the people within the territory. There's a lot of, I believe, immigrants that come with the notion of I want to help them. And for me, I feel indebted to Six Nations because of how much help I've received and how much healing I've received. But others kind of come in with like, oh, we're going to go save. You know, that's a pet peeve I have. I, I don't like that either. I don't like when people have that savior complex that we're constantly in trouble, like 
yeah, what happened happened to us. We've been forced onto our reserves, but we're still happy people. We're still living our lives. Like, even if we're forced into these smaller communities, it's, it's not so much we need your help. It's like we know what is going on. Um, it, we like to help, we like to help others. It's in our nature. Um, but we also don't like to accept help as often. We don't like to, no one likes to admit it, but we don't like to accept help, even if we ask for it. You like to add, Sylvia? It's very important for me. I think she's already hit almost all the things. I think, um, just thinking back with all the youth that you brought, they were very respectful and, and just letting them know that um, when they come onto the territory, how they found it, they should leave it. And that's one of the biggest teachings we I've taught my children and, and other my other children, including you, <laughs> is that how you found it, it should always be left that way. Yeah. Um, that's out of respect for Mother Earth and for the people that own the property. It's They shouldn't have to go out there and pick up after somebody else that has just left. Um, as for, um, I forgot the question now. <laughs> just anything you'd like to have people keep in mind when they're coming to Six Nations for the first time, whether they're coming through the workshops or organizing at One Mic or, or just in general, like, you know. Not over and expecting. Just go there and, and and be open to whatever they're going to learn or whatever they're going to be given or whatever they're willing to give into it. Just be open to everything. A lot of, even include myself, sometimes have expectations. Even coming here, my mind was going, like, what am I supposed to do? What am I? All those things come into play. We're all human. We have those emotions yeah. and, and thoughts. So um, I guess that's the only thing I can say is just be open to whatever it is. I mean, it's not just even coming on to um, territories mm -hmm. wherever you are is be open to whatever you're going to learn because I believe that Creator puts us all into situations to learn things, mm -hmm. uh, be it good or bad. Mm -hmm. uh, there's always something to learn. And, and that's another thing for myself. I've come to an age where I don't go out and party and do all those things. So at, on New Year's Eve, I sit back and I, I write down yeah, what I have, I'm at that age. what I have learned, <laughs> what I have learned and what I have to get rid of, <laughs> you know, because that's a lot of, a lot of stuff that you pick up, uh, throughout. And, and um, I've tried to instill that in her with the books to make sure that she's writing down my daughters, my sons. I always encourage them to make sure they remember. So a lot of people are in in my little journals. I've, I sit before midnight and I just write everything, new people that I've learned, I've met, what they have taught me so I can continue to keep growing. Do you feel that the writing and the journaling, a big part of it is also how big storytelling is within your background, your history, and the culture, and what the significance and importance is of storytelling so that, um, and maybe even touching on if you feel to, remembering the past so that you don't repeat the same mistakes from the past from 
previous generations that you may not have been presently a part of? <laughs> That's a big question. Um, I know for myself, just being able to write down everything so that uh, I'm getting to an age where I don't remember everything every day. <laughs> so I need to write it down for one. Um, the other thing is that, yes, being able to see it in black and white helps me. But the storytelling, that's been in our culture and everybody's culture, not just Native culture, but every culture is our telling of stories is what keeps our cultures alive, keeps our families in touch. All of those stories are all a way of connecting um, everything in the universe. How about you, Charisma? Oh, I have no clue. I'm still learning. I'm only 20. I haven't. You guys are all old. Oh, wow. We just all got your. Uh, all let me them. hit something over here. <laughs> no, not that one. <laughs> I hit the wrong button. <laughs> Triggered. A lot of people say I'm wise beyond my years. You've definitely you told me a bunch of times, but I'm still learning. I'm still. I haven't. I'm still learning my culture as I go. Luckily, I have my grandma and other people in my community to help me, but it's it's still a learning process. I appreciate you even bringing that up because in life period, we're all learning, no matter how old we become. And even um, through different cultures, if you look at like cattle slavery or transatlantic slave trade, um, that's kind of the cutoff is knowing that history and having those connections to your family to have um, an idea of that history. So... In that, one of the things that I wanted to um, touch on is how important and what do you feel that you personally get when you hear those stories and you're able to be in those moments, hear from generations that were here in different times before you? Like, what is the value that you feel from that in your heart? When Honestly, you I feel honored to be able to get to know that part of my history and to be able to be able to pass it on to future generations, to pass it on to my children, to my grandchildren. It's it's a huge honor. It's not a lot of, sorry, I'm getting emotional. It's not really something that a lot of people get to know and experience. So it's really important for me that I get to know these stories and It's, yeah, I'm honored. And I appreciate you sharing that because um, I think a lot of the time, for me personally, I feel like in history, narratives are written by people forgetting history. And once you can make people forget what happened, people try to essentially create their own story of what happened. And I just want to say thank you and say that it's an honor to be in the room with you and your family members who have brought that history to you. And I just hope that even moments like this help um, you to see how important something that maybe you do just naturally is actually bringing that value to your next generation as well. Yeah, and I just want to tackle that. You know, I want to thank you for gifting us your tears. Uh, my friend Valine taught me that out west. Um, sometimes when you feel that vulnerability to cry, it's a gift that you're giving to others. So I thank you. I'm super emotional. I cry all the time. <laughs> just... Like crushed everything. I just <laughs> I was trying to I'm here trying to be super deep. She's like, nah, bro, I just do this on a regular basis. <laughs> um yeah, I was um 
I would like to ask both of you, because when, when Mark and I put this project together, and I do believe part of the reason why we got this funding from the Canada Council for the Arts is the focus on building immigrant indigenous friendship, is having a presence out in Six Nations or other territories so that indigenous artists can get this knowledge. You know, because I mean, I don't have a lot of the knowledge that Mark has. So, and that was my initial dis- thinking is let's get this grant together because I need to learn a lot, but I need all our people to learn it. And I want to get it into places where, where this knowledge might never get to. And, you know, and that's why I'm so honored to have you with us, Charisma and Sylvia, because this is kind of like the foundation before we start to intentionally bring out people, you know, start to build those friendships what words or what guidance would both of you give to Mark and I as we f- roll out this project? We're going to do 12 podcasts. We've had three recorded. We're going to do 12 workshops. Um, we're going to have a conference, hopefully with the Woodlands Cultural Center. We have received an initial email endorsing the the process. And so we we need to flesh out the details. Um, but yeah, what words uh, what would you ask us to consider or or? advice that you'd give us as we roll out this project and make sure that everyone can benefit from it? I would say just continue doing what you're doing because it's important. It's important that I feel that the the youth, mm-hmm. they deserve to be able to use their voices. Mm-hmm. We've been stifled for too long. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what hurts my heart. Oh, now you're going to cry and I'm going to cry again. Don't do that. Shit, I'm about to cry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that really hurts my heart because I know for myself, I never had that opportunity at their age. And we need to allow the youth to move forward because this world is just going to and they need to be able to stand strong um, and I believe the efforts that you are putting in for these these kids I truly believe in that I wish that it could go even further and I believe it will um, with the work that you are both doing um, just continue doing what you are doing I, I can't tell you how to do it. Uh, I'm not in that type of field, but um, I truly believe that they need this opportunity to let themselves feel. Um, Right now, there's so much happening with the wars and everything. Everybody's sort of going inward uh, within COVID. Everybody's gone inward. They need this opportunity to, to... voice their opinions on things. Um, we've been told for too long to to be quiet and we need to speak up. The whole slogan for One Mic Educators is our voices matter. And, you know, with, with Mark, with BIPOC access, with One Mic Educators, with La Raza, it's all centered in my end to like honor indigenous, black and Latin American artists because our voices matter. And it, it's a synergy with us too. You know, as a young aspiring artist, Charisma, what would you share for us? Like, how could we make this you know, this 10-month process that we have the most beneficial for you possible? Just staying connected. Mm. I find that, especially with the older generation, not saying that you're old, old. Bro, I'm getting trashed over here. Um, He's a senior. (laughs) So what are you? (laughs) I'm younger. (laughs) You are younger. 
but staying connected because everyone says kids or youth, but my generation and even the younger generation, we're getting into our like late teens and early like adulthood. Just staying connected and talking to us like we're adults, keeping us in the conversation because a lot of people don't think to check on that. Um, like, especially um, with like mental health and stuff, it's our generation has been hit the hardest with it, especially mm-hmm. with these past couple of years. Staying connected and just keeping them in mind because everyone wants to like downplay how we feel a lot of the times. So it's it's hard to get lost in what everyone else is saying, especially with Gen Z and Gen Alpha. It's 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 hard to speak out because most of us feel like no one's listening. Mm. 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 We've got our marching orders, Marcus. 100%. This right here, me being here and just being included in this conversation, this, this is connecting, especially my age, people younger than me. It's hard to find opportunities like this where we can tell people how we feel and voice everything that that's on our minds Mm. you know i want to tell you charisma i love your generation as much as i love your grandmother's generation you know it's it's like past and future and (laughs) i think for me personally it's been it's been just as much of an honor to build a friendship with you as it has been with sylvia and to get roasted by both of you in different ways we're not just friends though we're family we are family we are family. It's it's another level, and I, I believe that those family ties have to be earned. And I think uh, oh, you earned them. Oh yeah, I, I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Not a roasting I'm going through. No, but I think it starts on a baseline of just asking the question, like Sylvia said, then making that intentional effort to get to know each other and stay in contact. I've introduced a lot of people to Mamaya and Elder, and a lot of them kind of come back to me to speak with him, and I say to him, call him directly. Like you know, he appreciates the company. And I'm not the middle person. Like, I'm not trying to gatekeep that. And so I think the onus is on people to kind of reach out and stay in contact. You know, some of the youth that I brought made their own relationships with Sylvia and called and went to visit, you know. And so, but I I love both of your generations and I'm really thankful to have you. And I'm so happy that you were able to make it as well for this. (laughs) They're trying to be nice to me. I wanted to say um, we had this uh, Brazilian graffiti artist, Bonga. And I want to get that. I want to get this part of the podcast out to him. He's one of the best graffiti artists in Brazil, and he was visiting, so I got to connect with him. And he kept telling me, like, "Hey, man, I want to do a mural like on the reserve, like with, for indigenous people." And I was like, "Okay." So I I call Sylvia, say, hey, "I got this graffiti artist. You know, he wants to do like a. I'm thinking like a side or a back wall. You don't really see that, you know what I'm saying? And like the like the white parts of towns, you don't see graffiti on a house. But I told him I would ask, you know, because I know Sylvia's down." Sylvia's hip hop. So I called her and I was like, yeah, you know, it's here. He wants to do a, he wants to do a mural. And then I, she's, you say you have to call Bob. Oh, he was asking for on the reserve. Yeah. And I, I'm living in Six Nations, but I'm not from there. So I didn't know who I should ask, but we had a house. So I said, go for it. But I had to call my husband to make sure it was okay. And he was out in, uh, I think he was out in, Saskatchewan at the time. 
I said, so what do you think about a bear and a wolf for our clans on the house? And he says, yeah. I said, do you want Fozzie Bear on West? <laughs> I didn't know this. <laughs> he says, no, I want a, a rough growling bear. <laughs> so uh, the front of the house has a wolf and a bear and an eagle above the door. So it's beautiful. And the light is like the third eye of yeah, the eagle. The, no, so you, of the of the, the wolf. wolf. Yeah, the light. When you turn the light on, it's actually like a third eye. We're gonna need a picture of this for oh, the podcast yeah. cover. Absolutely. It's so pretty. It's it. It was one of my favorite things growing up in that house. Wow. Was the mural on the? Yeah. Whenever I show people my like the house in Six Nations, I'm just like, yeah, this was my house. Do you see how cool this painting was? It would. It. It was my favorite thing. Charisma. I never knew that. Yeah. It, wow. Yeah, we're showing Mark right now the picture. It's a shout out to Bunga, man. He That's was dope. so happy. And they did the front wall. I thought it was going to be like a side or a back. I like, no, do the front. Front of the house. Just give us a wolf and a bear and an eagle. It was so sick. It. Yeah. yeah, to this day, I still, like, whenever I dream about the house, that's the first thing I see is that mural. Yeah, Bunga went to town on that. Shout out to Bunga, man. That was a... You know, and that's been, I mean, for people listening, don't just go graffiti up a house in Six Nations <laughs> and go ask. As Sylvia said, we asked. I wasn't sure what I was going to get. And, yeah, thank you so much for giving us that permission, Sylvia. It was a very special moment in my life and, and within hip-hop culture. At this point, is there any social media, website, any type of organizations that you'd like to plug at this point just for people to learn more about the Indigenous community um, or even resources or a book? that somebody should read that you feel really speaks to um, the essence of what they should start learning about? Um, can't remember titles, but um, look for Tommy Porter would be would be one of a really good book to, to listen or to read. He gives everything in his books about the traumas, the... the um, the stories of of our territories, different territories. So Tommy Porter. Mm. Appreciate that. For sure. How about you, Mark? What do you think, man? This is, uh, I mean, this is family to me. This is like an everyday conversation. But what's it been like for you to sit here taking all this in? Um, For me, it's been an honor to kind of be here, take this in, um, hear stories, hear the feelings and how getting the information, seeing like the emotions and feeling the emotions of um, just how important this is and how important having these opportunities, hearing these stories are. And um, that really resonates with me because as spoken, that there's a lot of people who have no connection to that history within their lives. And um, it's always an honor to have that. It's an honor to be around your grandparents, be around your elders. Um, if you're from any culture, your great grandparents, because to me personally, it's an eye into another time. And to me, we're all just living within our time. And it's just that there's different technologies, essentially, that make our time a bit different. Like in somebody else's time, there's no TV. And then in my time now, we have high-speed internet, 5G, et cetera. And times before that, there was no technology to be looked at like that. The wheel was a big element of technology. So I think just like being able to sit here, seeing those lessons, hearing those stories, learning more about the culture, it also shows that like many cultures we use different terminologies or words but our cultures are very similar as human beings we're all very similar um we love to be loved we love to be around people 
who are um, who we feel care about us, um, and we essentially like to be at peace. And I think that that if more people recognize that what makes us similar is more than what sets us apart, even if it's one of those like cliche type statements, but it's like if you cut somebody open, we're all the same. So mm. at the end of the day, if we get back to what's actually important and we get to the core um, and what we're doing here and just thanking you all for taking your time to come here. Like this is multiple hours that they took to come here and have mm. this conversation. And I think that that also speaks to the fact that there's an openness and that if people start to look at each other as individuals, treat each other how they want to be treated and they live by these universal principles of respect that we'll all continue to grow together, become a community together, understand each other, but it all begins with communication. And these are like those, those steps to have those conversations. And I'm happy that we were able to sit together um, in this room, um, learn more about each other, um, be respectful of each other. And honestly, I just loved having this time with you all. Mm. Thank you so much. Um, how do you say thank you in... I just said it. What is it? Nyawa. Nyawa. And we say nyo. Nyawa. Mm. Yo. 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 <laughs> there we go. All right. Thank you so much.